description of expectations there. And then basically the last line is, and everything else that needs to be done. That's kind of right, isn't it, Scott? I, I know that from, I was a youth pastor more years than I was a, a lead pastor. And I'm, that, that, that's the way the job description works. And I always felt, and I learned this early on, God has called me when I was in that associate youth pastor role to be an armor bearer and to carry a load for my pastor and anything I can do to make his ministry, his life easier, because I know he's got plenty going on that he's dealing with, I try to do that. And I appreciate that about God and doing those things like that that, that make a big, big difference. And I think this morning that's all I want to share as far as announcements go. We've got a few things coming up we'll be sharing in the next week or so. But let's take a moment and let's do this, and then I'm going to get into God's Word. Let's pray. Let's pray over our finances, pray over our offering. Uh, we don't... We don't officially, formally pass the plate anymore because of COVID, um, but we still believe God blesses his people as they're faithful in their giving. You can give online, as I mentioned every now and then, with Easy Tithe, or if you prefer check and cash, there's boxes in the back. That's the way we do it now just to help keep everybody that much more safe. And um, So let's just take a moment and pray. Yes, Becky. Okay, this is our last Kids for Christ Money Challenge. Our, they've been teaching the kids in February about giving, and uh, we've had two people come forward and said we will match anything that the kids give up to $100. So if the kids give $100, there's $300 comes into the kids' account, uh, help with kids' ministry. Uh, and this is our last week for that. And most kids, little kids, don't have a lot of money because we don't give them big allowances. Um, so if you would like to help by by giving the kids some money when they come in or pass it to the kids' workers, then they'll get it in the offering. We would appreciate that. Just And a lot of you have already participated in that. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll give you, and help me with this, Pastor Ruthie, help me remember this. We'll give you a total next week of what, the, what just came in. But let's pray, okay? Father, we do love you, and we thank you for your blessings finances that you've provided for this this family right here for the last year. God, we thank you for your faithfulness in jobs and employment. We thank you for your faithfulness in income and even promotions and raises. God, we're thankful. And I, as a pastor, am thankful for people that have a heart to give to see the kingdom of God brought into this world. I pray continue to bless them, continue to meet their every need. Continue to give us wisdom to use the finances that come in, God, to, to the most possible effect it can have to reach the lost. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you guys have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book, the letter of Philippians. I'm going to finish up my message, uh, my series. I've been preaching out of the book of Philippians. I'm going to finish it up this morning. Uh, and I, I want to finish it up with this thought, this sermon title, The Value of Change the value of change. Uh, I, I hope as I've preached and taught through this, you all have grabbed some things, got a hold of some truths. I, I know I have, and I've learned a long time ago when I teach something, preach something, I've probably gained more than those that, that are taught and hear it. Um, but we've learned some things, I, I hope, that has impacted how you choose to live your life and how you choose to be a part of the church. We've learned that the church is full of broken, imperfect people, you can say amen there. It's true. And, and you know, I, I mean, we kind of all know that, but some people really struggle with that because they're, they would never say this, but they're always looking for the perfect church. 
and you're never going to find the perfect church. And if you ever do find the perfect church, you're going to blow it for them because you're going to go there, or I'm going to go there, and <laughs> and right. I mean, we are we are imperfect people. We are a work in progress. Paul taught us that. You know, he he, he prays that God will bring to completion what He's began in us, and and we are a work in progress. We also have learned through this, and I hope you've got this that. You need to stop trying to fix yourself in your own power and your own strength because you will never have the capacity to do it. It's God that works in us for his glory and his pleasure. You got a bad attitude, you got a bad temper, you got jealousy issues, you got other things, you got addictions going on in your life. God wants to bless you and heal you and and change you. God wants to change you, but it's God who works in us and not we ourselves. We are not going to do it in ourselves. I hope you begin to get a hold of that reality and it makes a difference in how you live your life. At the same time, the other thing we've learned is while it is God that does the work in us, he will not do it by himself. He expects us to have some skin in the game, is the saying. He expects us to invest some of our own time and energy into this process of change. He expects us to not only realize it's him that actually makes the change, but we've got to put ourselves in the place to be changed. And we do that through a few things we looked at last week. First of all, we got to choose to love. We love God and love people. We'll talk about that a little more here in a minute as we, we move into today's uh, sermon. We have to choose to love, but then to love, we have to add on to love, knowledge, and discernment. we gotta, we got to add on to our love, knowledge of who God is, what God's like, what God expects from me, how God wants me to live in order to be blessed. We've got to add on to our love, knowledge, and discernment discernment of the word of god you you know it's one thing to be able to quote scripture and i I hope you can more people ought to be able to do that would make this world a better place but it's not just enough to quote scripture i've got to know how the scripture i'm quoting applies to the circumstance that i'm standing in right when i'm standing across from the counter from the lady who's being just incredibly rude to me what do i do with that or how do I handle the circumstance when my boss comes to me and asks me to do something that's not, not really dishonest, but it's just sort of shaded a little bit that direction? How, how, what, what, do, what do I do with the word of God? What is my discernment as to how I apply that to that situation? Discernment says I've I got to not only know, have knowledge of God and God's word, I've got to know how to apply it to the situations that I, we walk into situations all day, every day, don't we? How do we handle those things? Paul told us in Philippians 1.9, he, he said, And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. I wanna, I'm, I'm going to finish this series this morning, and, and I want to kind of bring it all together today to, a, to, a, to a, a final point, and it is this. There's a reason. There's a reason that God asks us to love and add knowledge and discernment. There's a reason Paul prayed the way he did, and it's to bring about change. I say this to you all regularly. Listen, I, I, I don't preach. I don't know. I, I don't preach to get applause. I don't preach to get. Hey, that was a really good sermon, Pat. I mean, I appreciate those things, but I preach to see change in people's lives. One, one of the things I appreciate about Pastor Scotty and 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 we've had ten years of of history together and living life together was, you know, he was one of the young men that came into the youth group and didn't even know if he believed in God, and I watched the change that went on in his life. And, you know, Pastor Scotty's still a work in progress, right? He's still still a work in progress like I am, but I watched the change that went on in, in his life. And I preach for change, and God wants you to gain do- knowledge and discernment 
for the sake of shame. See, what it's really about and what I, I, I want you to grab a hold of this morning is this. God is calling you to choose to die, to let the person that you are die so you can become the person that God made you to be. Do you get that? Paul put it this way. He said, I die daily. He said, every day I get up and I look in the mirror and I have to die to who I am and what I want in myself so that I can become who God created me to be. Paul said, I die daily. Paul talks about in, in, in Romans, he talks about I, I and we have to choose to kill the old man so the new man can be born and come forth and grow and mature. The reason we need to grab a hold of knowledge and discernment is for the sake of shame. And it's hard. It's, 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 not, it's not easy. I, I mean, look. of least resistance is always the easy path, isn't it? Ice cream, cake, chocolate candy bar, path of least resistance. Takes no willpower to eat those things. For me, broccoli, cauliflower, carrots, vegetables, salad, lettuce, that's the path of most resistance for most of us. Now, I had a friend. We had a friend in Bremen when we pastored there many years ago. She had figured this out. She made this thing called wilted lettuce. You ever had wilted lettuce? I never heard of such a thing. She told me about it. I'm like, really? That sounds gross. You take lettuce and she would cook up a big skillet of bacon and then she'd take all that bacon grease and put it over the top of that lettuce and when I, when I told her, I said, that just sounds horrible. She said, no, you've got to come out and try it. So Ruthie and I went out, and she made us a big plate of, of wilted lettuce, and it was incredible. If I could eat lettuce like that every day, I'd be all about it. You could move it from this side to this side. I'm, I'm there, right? Change means, though, I, I mean, it's the broccoli and the cauliflower that bring the change. Change, change is, it's not easy. You need to change in your life. You need a change in your heart. You need a change in your situation. You need a change in your attitude. Listen to me. It's not easy. It's the path of hard resistance. It's not the path of least resistance. You ever watch a river? You ever watch how a river flows? It is always going to take the path of least resistance. You, you ever see a dam? You ever, you ever see a situation where humankind has stepped in and said, hey, let, let's redirect this river or, or let's dam this river up? You ever look at the size of a dam? Look at the amount of work that has to go into that thing. I mean, it's labor-intensive. It's sweat. It's tears. It's blood. It's money. It's, it's hard. And God calls us to be people of knowledge and discernment and love because he wants us to change. You know, there's another way to look at change. There's another word you can put behind change. It's called growth, maturity. We all love babies, right? I, I know you guys all spend your evenings on Facebook and Instagram looking at the baby pictures and the cat pictures? And I hope not. <laughs> if you do, you need to let me know because there's another sermon in there somewhere, but not today. But we all love babies. Babies are cute, but I'm going to tell you what. It, I, I, and look, babies basically do just a few things. They eat, they poop. We don't say that word from the platform either, but I did. We, they eat, they poop, they puke, they sleep. That's about it, right? And they cry, uh, yeah, and they cry. 
But we love them. They're cute. They're adorable. We just want to, you know, hug them and cuddle them and all that stuff when they're babies. But I'm going to tell you, if your 30-year-old son is living in your basement, wearing a diaper, eating your food, crying when he doesn't like things, that's not nearly so adorable, is it? That boy who's 30 years old had better had gone through a lot of change from the time he was three months to the time he was 30 years. And yet I watch and I watch and I watch and I watch so many believers, they get saved and they're going to heaven, but they are not willing to go through the hard process of change, growth, and maturity. And they've been serving Jesus for a decade and they're still behaving like the one who's been serving Jesus for 30 days. It's cute then, it's not so much now. God calls us to gain knowledge and gain discernment and love for the sake of change and sake of growth. Paul, Paul put it this way. Let me, let me take you to Philippians, Philippians 1, 9, 10, and 11. He, he said, and I, I preached the first part of this last week. It's my desire, he said, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. And then he goes on and he says, here's the reason. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, one of the struggles we have is we feel like we're pretty good. I'm, I mean, listen, we're all Christians enough and know what we should and shouldn't say and know where to be humble. Not one of us here would say, I'm good enough. But yet sometimes that's exactly how we live. I'm pretty good, and I, yeah, maybe I need a little, you know, God needs to kind of clean up the edges here and there, but I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Come on, am I right? Anybody? And then we begin to live our lives this way. We begin to add knowledge and discernment to our lives, to our love. And all of a sudden, something happens. I begin to run up against the word of God, the truth of God, the knowledge of God, the discernment of how it applies to my life, and life gets rough. I gave you last week a, a whole set of scripture that you could, if you would invest your life in, knowledge and discernment of them, they would change your life. And it, it's not like the whole Bible. I mean, there's, I encourage you to read the whole Bible, but just these passages, it, it was scriptures in Matthew and 1 Corinthians and James and Proverbs. And let, so let me, let me just, let me just, let me just show you something, okay? You, we think I'm pretty good. And then I go and I read something like uh, 1 Corinthians. Love is patient. Okay, I, I've managed to get through the first three words of the first section, and I just ran into it. Love is patient. And then I run up against a situation where me and my wife disagree. How do I do that? How do I deal with that? How do I discern that and get it applied to my life? Then I run up against that cashier I was talking about earlier that's across the counter just being rude and slow and irritating. And I remember love is patient. And how do I live my life in a way? Because now I can't do what I want to do. Now I can't follow the path of easy, uh, at least resistance. Now, now I can't respond the way the old me would have responded because I've been, I've been told that I'm supposed to be killing the old me so I can become the me that God made me to be. And I haven't got past the first three words. Love is patient. My kids come in and they're irritating and they're annoying and they're, they're, they're in the crying stage or whatever. And, and I've had a bad day and what am I going to do with that? 
somebody doesn't treat me the way that I ought to be treated and, and they're disrespecting me or whatever. And what do I do with that? Love is patient. And all of a sudden, this whole thing of change becomes a reality in my life. And my friends, change is hard. Can I put it another way? Growing up is hard. But that's what we're talking about this morning. I read on, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, it's not arrogant or rude. And I could preach an entire sermon and series right here out of 1 Corinthians, but I want you all to read it. I want you to gain the knowledge and the discernment, and I want you to live life. Listen, I love you, I love you enough to say to you, I want you to live life really uncomfortable. I, I know, but I'm going to tell you, if you're not living life with some uncomfort, then the Holy Spirit isn't convicting you. And if you're not being convicted of some stuff, then you're not growing, you're not maturing. You've settled in somewhere, you're following the path of least resistance. And you're going to miss the greatest blessings of God, because if we're not moving forward in the Lord, we're not going to be blessed to the greatest amount He can bless us. Paul says, look, you all need to add knowledge and discernment so that you can approve what is excellent? I like to think I'm pretty good, but God looks at me and says, look, you, you know, you may think you're pretty good, but I didn't call you to be good. I called you to be excellent. God didn't call any of us to be good. He called us to be excellent. There is a better me. I, I go and I read this passage in um, Matthew, the, 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 those that I gave you, and, and just I'm just picking one here. Verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or you will drink, or, or nor about your body, what you will put on. And I, don't be anxious. That's the better me. That's really uncomfortable. Because I don't like being anxious, but I'm going to tell you, there's a level of comfort in being anxious. Because if I'm worrying about something, maybe I can stay ahead of it. <laughs> then I look and it's in red. I'm like, Jesus said that? You understand what I'm saying this morning? If I, here's, here's what I want to come out of this, folks. I, I, I love you. I want you to decide I'm going to make adding knowledge, these passages that I had up there, I'm going to make them a part of my life. And I'm not just going to read them. I'm not just going to memorize them. I'm going to take them and apply to those difficult places in my life. What do? How would Jesus handle this? And I'm going to deal with it that way, knowing that it's going to hurt. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. And it's going to bring the blessings of God in my life. You want your marriage blessed? Live out those passages. You want your kids blessed? Live out those passages. You want your job blessed? You want your bank? Here's, here's one. You want your bank account? Anybody like their bank account blessed? Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't we all? Right? Live out those passages. Go read Proverbs. There's so much, so much, so much in Proverbs about finance and information. You know, I, I, I appreciate Dave Ramsey. He's got a really good program. Life-changing in mine and my wife's life. And one of the reasons it's such a good program is it's built on it's built on Proverbs, but if you would actually pour your life into Proverbs and reading the principles in Proverbs and putting them into the day-to-day -day affairs and life of, 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 that you're living, you wouldn't even need Dave Ramsey. You could take the middle man out and just go straight to Proverbs because most of what Dave Ramsey teaches is right out of Proverbs. And you'd see your bank account just, account just go crazy. Now, you're going to have to work your, it's, we don't use this word on the platform either, you're going to have to work your tail off. God's called us to. Good isn't good enough. Prove what's excellent. Become hungry. He, he says in, in, in verse 11, he, he said, 
I, I pray that you will, you will add knowledge and discernment so that you approve what is excellent. And then he goes on and he says, so that you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness. So you'll be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. When, when you make the choice to begin to add knowledge, read the Word of God, and, and even if it's just those passages I gave you or others, read the Word of God. You know, I, I read a lot of books. But sometimes we all, and I have to be careful of this, we would do well just to go back to the original a little more often. Right? I don't discourage you from reading. In fact, I encourage you to read. Read, read a lot. Read often. But make sure you got plenty of word in there as well. And then I go and I, 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 I'm looking at knowledge and I read this out of Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness goodness and faithfulness gentleness and self-control and that's hard that's hard I go and I read that whole passage in Corinthians love is patient and kind love does not envy or boast it's not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it's not irritable or resentful and, and a better way to understand it, it does not count up a bunch of wrongdoings it doesn't rejoice at wrongs it rejoices with truth, with truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. I, I want you to be blessed. Blessed in your marriage, blessed in your family, blessed with your kids, blessed on your job, blessed in your home, blessed in your neighborhood, blessed in your community. I, I want you to be blessed as Americans. I, I want you to be blessed in your finances. I want you to be blessed. And all those blessings come from knowledge of God, holiness, his word and discernment about how they apply from moment to moment in my life. It, it comes from growing and maturing and becoming what God has called us to be. Now let me shift gears on you for a minute here, okay? But shift gears as I finish this message up this morning. God's called you to change, to change a call. It's so hard. Paul goes on in Philippians and he teaches us it's so hard we all need help. We need each other. Can I read you that passage? It's in, it's in Philippians chapter 2. This is what he says. He said, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, in other words, what, what he's saying here, he, he says, look, if I've ever done this, he's talking to the church of Philippi, he says, if I've ever encouraged you in Christ, if I've ever given you any comfort from love, if I've ever... Uh, participated in the spirit with you if i've ever offered you affection and sympathy then he says complete my joy by being of the same mind or other words giving it to other people if i've ever encouraged you if i've ever given you comfort if i've ever loved you then be of the same mind that i'm in and do it for somebody else you you, you guys i mean this is an american thing we follow athletes and hollywood people you, any any of you guys do that you at all no good for you <laughs> I don't either I just don't really care but a lot of people do but I, I, I follow enough to know this that a lot of pro athletes a lot of Hollywood people they'll hire um, they'll hire trainers do you know why they do that they, they hire trainers because change is hard and it's even harder when you do it alone hire trainers it, it's it's why people that are, are going through addictions or really hard times in life uh, will join support groups 
Alcohol Anonymous, Alcoholic Anonymous, uh, Celebrate Recovery are, are two, Narcotics Anonymous, um, grief, grief groups are a big, big thing right now. People are going through the loss of somebody. Do you know why they do that? Jesus calls and he sees you with somebody else. They need your support. Maybe the most important thing I say to you this morning is, you, 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 is that you get this. It, it's why... It's why in the church, small groups have become a big deal. It's going to become a force in the church. Because it's one thing to have a pastor who can stand up here and preach the truth to you. And we all need that. We need that moment. We need that experience. We need to hear the word of God preached under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But we also need somebody that can come down and, you know, hopefully your pastor can do some of this, but you can only do it so much for so many people. And we all need somebody. We need a group around us that can come down and live life with us, and, and it's not that I'm too good to come down and live life with you. I live life just like you, but we need somebody that can be closer than one man can be, which means we need a small group. We need people that can be around us. I've been watching and listening, and this is a year, year or two ago, uh, Rick Warren, Saddleback Church out of, I don't know, out west, where he's at, I just lost it, but um, really big church and really big on small groups. And, and one of the things that they've got to do now, they're much, I mean, they're a really big church, so they've got money and they've got tech and they've got personnel. But they've, this before COVID had even hit, they started having a lot of people get so excited about the teaching and the preaching. They're like, we want to have a small group format. And, and, and they live in like New England or Florida or the Caribbean or Saudi Arabia or somewhere, I mean, somewhere so far away, they're not likely to pick up and travel to Rick Warren's church, but they're like, we want to, we want to, we want to be a part of your church. We listen to your preaching every week because they were doing it well before COVID. And, and, and then all of a sudden there'd be enough of them watching from an area, their small group leader would come in and say, Hey, there's like six or eight or 10 or 12 of you that are right there real close together. And, and all of a sudden they would begin to get together as a small group to watch the service or to encourage one another or to pray for one another. And they were doing it so well before COVID ever hit. I told Ruthie, I said, I, I don't know. I mean, there's some, there's some foundational things about the church that will always be the church, but the 21st century church is going to look a lot different than the 20th century church. I, I, no, don't, don't misunderstand me. I mean, there's some foundational things. Jesus, the virgin birth, salvation. I mean, those things are never going to change. Water baptism. But, and, and don't be surprised at that, because honestly, the latter 21st century church, or 20th century church, the, ch the church in the, in the late 1900s looked very different than the church in the early 1800s, or the late 1800s. I mean, it's, the church just constantly grows. It's not a bad thing. But we all need somebody. We need support. We need help. Paul says, I've ever encouraged you, if I've ever offered you love, then do it for somebody else. Let me bring this to a close this morning. He says, encourage one another. Love and comfort one another. He says, experience the presence of God. If we've ever shared in the Spirit, experience the presence of God together. Provide each other with affection and sympathy when it's appropriate and needed. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. God made you for excellence, and he made you to help other people become excellent. Now, now let, me, let, me, let, me just, let me just end with this. Action, change. Where is God trying to change you? 
promise you this, God's trying to change every one of us somewhere. My question to you this morning is, and I don't want an answer, but I want you to have the answer, or at least begin to pray and think about the answer. Where is God trying to change you? Is it in that 1 Corinthians passage? Love? Is it in Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 7, and 8? Is there something in there that he's really trying to work in you? Somewhere in Proverbs? Where's God trying to change you? Because we all are imperfect beings, people, a work in progress. Where's God trying to change you? Where are you really, really uncomfortable? Because that's probably the place. God wants you to grow. And here's what I know. The more you grow, the more blessed you're going to be. And I want you blessed. I want you happy. I want you joyous. I, I, I want God to just, I want God to be able to do in your life everything he wants to do. I want you to go beyond good to excellent. And across this last piece for you this morning, we're not, all, we're not only all being changed, we're all involved in change to others. So here's my question for you. Are you an encourager or are you a discourager? Do you offer love or do you offer wrath and anger? Do you offer people patience or do you get impatient with them? Your brothers and sisters, those that you go and worship with, those that are part of your family, which are you? Here's what I'm going to guess is true of all of us. We all have our areas of strength, don't we? But you know what that means? We also have all have our own areas of weakness. Some of you need some patience in your life. Some of you need some love in your life to flow out of you. Some of you need to learn what it's like to be kind and gentle when things don't go the way you think they ought to. We all have, we all have our areas. Trust me, I got them. And if I miss them, I got a wife that loves me enough to point them out to me. I'm grateful she doesn't do it while I'm preaching. I've known a few pastors where that happens. That's not fun. But you know what? I also got a wife that would say to me, hey, if I'm doing this, Actually, she said this to me this morning. Hey, am I like this? And I said, sometimes. (laughs) She said, you need to tell me when, this is exactly what she said, you need to tell me when I'm like that. I said, I do, I will, I do. Are you building up or are you tearing down? Are you lifting up or are you undercutting? Are you encouraging or are you discouraging? God calls us to be people that love, encourage, have patience, lift up, build up, grow up, all of those things. Amen. Now, there's a couple of challenges for all of us, but if you'll take those things and walk out of here this morning, you're going to have a really uncomfortable afternoon. If, if you do, then I've, I've, I've been successful at what I believe God wanted me to say to you. If you don't, then either I failed at communicating or you failed at hearing or both. <laughs> but God wants you to grow. God wants you to grow. Why don't you stand this morning with me. I appreciate you guys. I love this church. This is a good church. And we got good people. And all of us have our moments of excellence. And all of us don't.
that's okay. I, I've told you, I'll say it again. If, if that wasn't the kind of church you were, I couldn't be your pastor. I wouldn't be here today. Love you guys. Let me pray over you this morning. Lord, we do love you, and I'm, I really, truly am grateful for the church you've allowed me to pastor, for the families and the individuals that you give me the privilege to shepherd. And I pray this morning, I pray this morning, God, I want them blessed. Bless them. And with that in mind, I pray make them uncomfortable. I, I pray make them think. I pray make them dig deep into their own heart what's going on. God, help us each one to be encouragers, not discouragers, lift people that lift up and not tear down. Help us, God, to grow in those areas in our own life and help those around us to do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Love you.